0: It's time for another episode of Mainly Modifieds, where ground pounders and northeast speed freaks come to get their radio fix on. Let's join the Race Chaser Media crew in the studio. Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Mainly Modifieds. My name is Tom Baker from Race Chaser Media, happy to be back with you once again this week and happy to have... Actually, a fair amount of racing to talk about, actually. Both uh, recent past racing events, but also events that are coming up. So this show will be uh, filled with a lot more good news, I think, than uh, what some of our past shows have been uh, filled with. And, of course, I've got Kyle Souza with me right from the start this week, because, Kyle, you spent uh, your entire weekend uh dealing with modified races and uh first of all it had to be good for you just to get back to the racetrack again i'm sure everybody was really excited to be back you had uh, the race um the for the wheeling tour and the race for uh track and uh we had some fans at the track and um talk about uh kind of an overview of, of what it was like to finally get back out and watch some modified racing because i know you didn't get to Jennerstown.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, first of all, thanks everybody for listening. Glad to be back for another episode. Yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was kind of, uh, I guess surreal is the right word. Um, to, to get back to the track and see modifieds. I had been to the track a couple times, uh, saw some super late model action, uh, and, and really saw a lot of track rental, uh, stuff over here at Seaconk, which is, uh, you know, rather boring, sure. uh, in the middle of the week when there's five cars at the track and one at a time on the track, nice to see cars again. Uh, in a in a larger capacity. And nice to see a race, man. Uh, good to see some modified. It's nice to hear the, the roar of that 600 horsepower yes. uh, machine and, uh, you know, smell the race fuel. The modified race fuel and tires smells a little bit different, I guess, than everything else. Um, I've always been on that bandwagon. of making a candle uh, that smells like, you know, racing. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, I'd be all over like that. Um, but, yeah. I mean, overall, good to go back to the track. And, uh, you know, Tom, we talk about it all the time. Uh, but but to me, really the best thing about the whole thing, from my perspective, is just really really good uh, to to see the, the crews again, the drivers, sure. um, the people you have that relationship with, and obviously I've built a relationship uh, with a lot on the NASCAR wheel modified tour. Do, you know, from working with NASCAR for two or three years, uh, you know, on a full time tour basis, and then uh, nice to go back there, uh, and also nice to hear from the race teams and the officials of the modified tour that they, you know, they missed me at Jennerstown. Uh, I share the same sentiment missed all them. Uh, you know, disappointed I wasn't able to make it out there to Jennerstown, but so happy that I was able to get up to white mountain Saturday. Sure. Yeah. And Monadnock an Sunday. So uh, yeah, nice to be back at the track and uh, also let's, nice to be home after a long week. Yeah.
0: Well, there's, there is always that too, right? Okay. So let's uh, kind of set up the show here. Uh, we are going to kind of divide the show into segments as it were we've got two modified events to talk about and kyle has brought to the show uh post-race interviews with drivers from both race meets so uh we are going to begin the show talking about white mountain and uh the nascar wheel and modified tour event and then uh we will go ahead and talk about the tri-track event and then following that we'll um talk about uh, kind of everything else on our list here for this week and uh, roll the show out from there. So that's kind of how this is going to work. So let's start with the Wheeling Tour discussion. And I got to tell you, Kyle, that it it really was, I I had the chance to to listen, of course, to the interviews that you did. And the thing that really struck me across the board with everybody that you talked to was that, this race at this track was an absolute walk-off, you know, home run. Um, it just grand slam home run, first time out of the box. And, you know, when you start hearing drivers talking about wanting to go back for a second race this year, um, that's a great sign. So I want to get your perspective on that. Um in what you thought because like i said it it's rare that you hear a group of drivers that are so enthusiastic after a race at a new track that they really want to already go back again um this track just seemed to be made uh perfectly made for for bullring type modified racing and of course that's what we got uh through the race and especially at the end 30 cars uh showing up there talk a little bit about uh all of this from your perspective
1: yeah, I mean, let's set the scene. We talked a couple weeks ago when Jennerstown happened, which was uh, basically two weeks before the White Mountain event, um, that you know NASCAR had run for a little bit of a reduced purse at Jennerstown, no fans in the stands, a little bit of a sour taste in, in some people's mouth, uh, fan yeah. perspective, some drivers, some car owners, not overly thrilled with the purse structure uh, that came into Jennerstown. I will say, though, NASCAR doing a decent job getting that purse up uh, in time for White Mountain. The purse was good. Um, you know, it, w- it wasn't the same purse that it was, you know, pre-COVID pandemic. Sure, uh, But for what we were dealing with at White Mountain and, and the name for the event, obviously a decent purse. Um, the facility itself, nothing but great things to say. I mean, the, the track is really nice. Um, you know, the grandstands are in good shape. The pit area is in good shape. Uh, there is a decent amount of gravel in the pit area, a little bit of dirt uh, and rocks. That makes it a little bit difficult on some of these teams, depending on where they were parked um not a a whole lot of asphalt there uh to to use for your pit stall but you know put that to the side uh great facility great job by the team at white mountain to get prepared and tom this is really a whole new venture for them uh talking with chris Mashad, uh who runs the american canadian tour but also is involved in the ownership and operation of white mountain uh you know he felt like going in there was going to be a real hit uh they sold uh, you know, New Hampshire gives racetracks 50% capacity. They're supposed to sell 50% of their tickets. I can tell you that, uh, you know, based on the viewership of the eye, I, I'm confident they had more than 50% of grandstands there. Um, wow. So, you know, a, a, good, a good turnout. Uh, you know, the fans really came out and supported it. Uh, and you mentioned the race itself. I mean, let, let's set the scene. You know, going in there is one thing. Getting there, there was a lot of concern in practice. And I tweeted out my personal channel uh, Tom, I know you've never been there. There's a bump down the back straightaway. Um, it's more than a bump. It's like a fall-off, uh, three-quarters of the way down the yeah, back straightaway. I saw that. up in the outside lane, it kind of dips off to the right. And that was the major concern in the garage after practice. You know, Chris Pastriak was fastest in practice. Uh, I talked to him right after he hopped out, uh, and that was somewhat of his concern uh, directly after practice. What was that going to do? Sure. Uh, and in, in the race, actually, it kind of plays to – some driver's advantage they end up actually using it uh to work out but let's start with practice past act fastest matt hirschman wins the pole before we get to the race uh you've seen matt hirschman so many times i've seen him he he almost won uh the event but before we get to that matt hirschman's really a a class act guy a lot of class no doubt um you know and and he's always fast wherever he goes and i think that's what makes matt hirschman such a good driver too he's got such a set of knowledge and he's got so much mental class that It's a pleasure to watch and then talk to him after the race.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, Matt is a guy who just, he's very adaptable. He adapts very quickly to, you know, whatever the track is giving him. And, and, uh, and he, you know, but, but of course, a great driver cannot be great without a great team around him to help him to make sure that the car is what he needs. Um, so there's, you know, half of it is his feedback, and then the other half, obviously, is, uh, the ability of the uh, the team to make the the necessary adjustments when they need to to get him where he needs to be. So I would uh, I would definitely agree with everything you said about Matt. But I'd also say that he's been very fortunate to have a really good, solid team of people around him um, to be able to help him to get uh, to, to adapt so quickly. And and they just they come prepared no matter where they go. And um, when you when you kind of uh, chase money for a living, and, and you're not a one-track jack, you learn, and of course, I'm sure they probably got detailed notes on every track, but you come into a track like White Mountain that's totally neutral, and I think their experience with going to so many different new tracks all the time um, over the years probably really helps um, you know, him to be fast. And so, uh, yeah, he definitely, uh, I knew he'd be a factor in, in this event. And not surprised
1: that he actually was. Yeah, so he goes out there uh, qualifying since the fast time. Uh, No surprise there either. Matt telling me after the race, and you'll hear in the interview, uh, he was happy with the way they ran, uh, but also happy with the fact that they had speed. They don't run a lot of modified tour races every year. Uh, Typically, they run three or four with that PD Motorsports team. Uh, And that, honestly, you know, we talk about it in all levels of racing, but that's a disadvantage uh, to only run three or four races. You don't get that car on the track. That specific car often, when you do, you might have a bug or a gremlin to fix. Never mind the fact that guys like Justin Bonson or Doug Kobe, Craig Watts, Woody Pitcap yeah. have been tinkering with setups all year. Uh, and you and you're not. and I know Matt runs a lot of other modified races at a lot of other tracks,, uh, so he still gets the setup work in. But the modified tour is just a different ball game uh, compared to an r o c event or you know an evergreen race that he went and ran well at uh, with a setup. So strong qualifying effort for him. Also, a strong run in the race. Uh, this race airing live on NBC's Track Pass uh, Gold platform. It was, you know, two ninety nine, I believe, for the month, or nineteen ninety nine for the year. Uh, pretty good value. So you get nineteen ninety nine, you're going to get at least six to eight modified races for nineteen dollars. Originally it was seventeen, but obviously that's going to be cut this year. Yeah. Uh, you know, due to the pandemic. But the race itself, uh, you know, a lot of drivers, as I mentioned in practice, concerned about that bump. A lot of other ones concerned it would be a one groove racetrack. Uh, at the beginning, fair to say that it was. A lot of guys getting to the bottom, getting in line. Uh, Hirschman and Kobe started on the front row. Bonsignor started third. Those three never left the top three, and that's absolutely no surprise. Um, but the beginning of the race is really Hirschman and Kobe running away from the field. I mean, lapping cars left and right. They caught the back of the field. You know, some I believe Miss, uh, Melissa Fifield and Gary Byington were lapped within 10 laps. Um and they caught the back. They're cycling through lap traffic. A couple cautions there. Timmy Salomito gets wiped out of contention uh, with a lot of fluid. Matt Swanson wipes out of contention with a power steering pump and a rack issue. Ron Silk parks it early uh, with an issue in that number 85. And before I tell you about every lap, we might as well just fast forward to the money of it uh, and the good part of this event from a fan's perspective. Bonsignore takes second from Doug Kobe on a restart, you know, somewhere around 50, 60 laps to go. And then, Tom, the game's on. I mean, Matt Hirschman is is hanging on for dear life at the end. Justin Bonsignor gets around Kobe. Uh, and we talked about it last week. Justin Bonsignor, to me, is really the only guy that seems to have drive off the corner uh, when these races don't allow pit stops. White Mountain did not allow pit stops. It's outside the track, the pit area, so you can't pit. Uh, a couple guys did. They went a lap down, or they just barely made it back out. But you can't put tires on. It's a four-tire race. Uh, and when it's a four-tire race, it's Justin Bonsignor to me. Uh, and Doug Kobe, those are the two guys I look at uh, as figuring out on that new soft tire. Uh, and all of a sudden, Bonsignor gets to Hirschman's bumper with about yeah. 40 to go, trails him through lap traffic, and then the onimous, uh, you know, we start with Dale Earnhardt and Terry Labonte at Bristol. Uh, the rattle-the-cage hit uh, comes from Bonsignor with seven laps to go, uh, and it definitely was not malicious. Uh, Hirschman got a tick crossed up at the end of the front straightaway. Obviously, both cars handling like complete dog crap Uh, At lap 193 of 200, they've wasted the tires. They've wasted their mental and physical capacity. Uh, Hirschman gets a tick crossed up, straightens it out. Bonsignor hits him in the left rear. uh, Maybe Actually, maybe squared him up in the rear bumper and get into him. Uh, And Hirschman slides up the track. Bonsignor takes the lead. There's a caution with five to go, because why not? Uh, (laughs) And I can't even remember at this point who spun, uh, you know, just because the finish was so good. And then a green-white checker. you got Bonsignor on the pole. Hirschman outside, Kobe's still third. They went side-by-side for the lead, side-by-side for second. Kobe's hammered on the back of Bonsignor. He's all crossed up. Uh, Overall, just a phenomenal show. Bonsignor winning it, Hirschman second, uh, and Kobe third. A really great show, uh, you know, and we'll talk a lot more about it uh, and I think what will be our second segment uh, towards the end of that after we hear from the tri-track winner, Craig Watts. The bump and run uh, utilized in this race. Uh, Not a malicious bump and run, but a bump and run at all. Uh, in any case, it was a bump and run. Uh, and Hirschman, not overly thrilled after the race. Bonsignor, obviously uh, thrilled. And uh, before we roll into the interviews, Tom, you can hear from Bonsignor uh, right after the beginning of the interview uh, talking about when he mentions the replay. I actually had shown him and Hirschman a replay on my phone uh, from NBC's Track Pass app on what happened. So they both had perspective uh, after watching a replay before I spoke with them. Uh, so that that's kind of important for you to know. Right. Um, the other thing that, that's important to know quickly is the heckling that was going on in the front straightaway um, with the fans. There was a lot of fans in the grandstands, which is great to see post-COVID. Uh, but some of those fans, heckling Bonsignor, and I'm using the word heckling because it was some derogatory words, um, shown towards Bonsignor, who you know a lot of people in the stands felt, had been way too aggressive moving Hirschen out of the way. Bonsignor actually engaging with them in a funny manner. Kobe engaging with them, uh, you know, kind of racking on Bonsignor in a funny manner. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, I mean, a great show. And, And the fan base, to me, Tom, the best thing about the whole thing is those guys are passionate. Uh, and it 's good to see them back at the track,
0: well, and they're all experts too. They all know exactly what happened uh they saw it with their naked eye, and you 're not going to change their mind you know it's 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 funny how we you know in in the sport and and look, you and I are no different. We watch you know and we we analyze um and uh it's 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 a situation where um hearing the two drivers talk about it, it you know neither were overly angry and you know all it takes and this is what a lot of fans don't realize when you're running these cars at you know over hundred miles an hour or whatever you know and, and somebody just for us an instant lifts in front of you or gets just a little bit out of control and has to catch it, you know, that kind of thing, the the, the closure rate that you have to them, you know, it's almost by before you can react, you know, you're you're into them. And so You know, these drivers race at such a high skill level. Um, I'm not an advocate of using the bumper, honestly. I'm just not. Um, I hear a lot of these guys say that that's short track racing, but I just don't recall Bugsy Stevens and Freddie DeSaro and Richie Evans and Eddie Flemke and, you know, all of those guys back then, Maynard Troyer, Jerry Cook. You know, back in the day, I don't recall that being um acceptable i I you know it wasn't as if there was never contact because you know you're racing, but um I'm not a big advocate for that. I just don't think that really you know to me it's kind of like well, anybody can move somebody out of the way to win a race but um but I don't know that that's exactly what happened here i mean it it just kind of looked like um it was more of a racing deal, and yes, bonsignor certainly saw the opportunity and he took it. Um, but I don't think he intended to, um, you know, just drive into the back of them and create an issue. So I, I think, you know, I don't know. I mean, I guess everybody's going to have their own story right. of what happened, but uh, I I listened to the two drivers and, and, you know, we'll hear them in a minute. Everybody will get to listen to them in a minute. Um, and it didn't seem to me that, um, I mean, obviously, if you're on the receiving end, you're not going to be as happy as if you were in victory lane with a win, but it didn't seem like uh, there was a whole lot of um, anger, and I think Justin was pretty contrite when he, you know, when he said, I didn't, you know, I, it wasn't malicious.
1: Um, yeah, so. and I, I think that's the exact point of the whole thing. I mean, Matt Hirschman's obviously not going to be happy with finishing second after right. leading 193 That's laps. exactly right. Yeah. Um, so. and, you know, everybody gets that. That's fair. Uh, Bonsignor... Definitely, I don't think, you know, went in the corner and maliciously tried to slam Matt Hirschman out of the way. I think no. Bonsignor, you know, for those who haven't seen the race, uh, Bonsignor was obviously quicker in the last 10 or 15 laps. I mean, it was it was pretty dang obvious that he had a better car uh, than Matt Hirschman at that stage of the race. And I think that's a testament uh, to that pit crew, Ryan Stone those guys. I've mentioned it before. I'll say it again. They are, you know, they're probably the best full modified tour crew out there right now other than Doug Kobe. Uh, and I think they're both on the same level. So, uh, Bonsinger had a car at the end that was a little bit better. Uh, I agree with you. I don't usually, you know, I don't usually love using the bumper. Uh, but I think in this case, you know, when the second place car is a bit faster uh, and the leaders kind of checking up, he's it. Well, to me, got loose. I think he says in there, he may got a little cross take for granted that these interviews are within 30 minutes of the checkered flag. Right. Uh, and, 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 again, both of these guys had seen a video, uh, of what happened. Uh, I had shown them the video. Uh, so, You know, we'll get back to talking about, you know, the implications of the race and what that might mean for the future here in a minute, Tom. But why don't we, you know, move along? Let's hear the interviews. When you listen to them, uh, you know, you'll notice an obvious cut between segments. But you got Justin Bonson, your first, talking about the win at White Mountain, his second straight to open the season. He's two for two here uh, in 2020. Hirschman comes up second. A little bit of a lengthy interview with him talking about the race and a couple of other things. And then third in there. Uh you've got Doug Kobe who finished third and ran in the top three of the whole race and, and we'll hear from Doug too as well uh about what he thinks about this owner driver thing. Don't forget he's his own owner now. Yep. Uh and this is their second race together. So without further ado, Tom, I'd say we uh let everybody hear what happened at the end of the uh White Mountain event and hear from these top three finishers. Let's do it. Bonsignor first, then Hirschman, then Kobe, and
0: we'll check that out right now and then Kyle and I will return. So let's run through the race. Oh, okay. I mean
1: you start uh what now second third third um
2: and most of the race you're you're straight away back was that planned kind of uh, just trying to ride or yeah a little bit of ride my car wasn't that great at that time um so i was just not wanting to burn the tires of i knew being second on the restarts if there was going to be one was going to be tough so um you know you just kind of bank on a caution and then we uh we saved enough tire i think at the end and then uh you know we just watched that replay I definitely got into him, but he was crossed up, and there was a gap between us before I got into him the first time. So, um, you know, that's that's racing. I, it's just hard racing. Uh, I don't think I did anything wrong. I would I would admit it if I did, but uh, you know, watching that replay, uh, that's it for me. I, you know, I know what I did. Was there any in the last restart any concern that he was going to get you back or? No, I mean, he had to, it wasn't a you know a malicious. Yeah. Move. Like I said. He, at the time, he probably thought I got into him, but it wasn't malicious, and he don't race that way, and Doug don't race that way. So, um, you know, we were all leaning on each other at the end. That's pretty much checkered, and, uh, you know, they were battling behind me, and I was kind of just trying to hold both lanes. So, um, but, yeah, I don't have any worries when you race with Matt. He's a professional. So, you've now won a ridiculous amount of races. Three in a row, dating back to last the first two this year. What the heck is, is making this all happen? Uh, just my whole team, but, you know, Ryan Stone does an unbelievable job preparing these cars, and, uh, you know, he just – he eats, sleeps, and breathes this stuff, and all, all my guys do as well. And, you know, we're coming to these tracks with unbelievably fast cars, and we're just fine-tuning them even though they're brand-new tracks with us. And just uh, – it's just Ryan, you know, and, and Ken too, you know. He's been with us with me now for 11, 12 years, and uh, the amount of money he reinvested again this winter to, to try and get better and make our team better is just unreal, and uh, we just can't do it without, without the whole team from top to bottom. Thoughts on the facility? I mean, it seemed like you could – at least go in
1: high and cut to the bottom coming out late did the track change in 200
2: yeah, yeah the track changed a lot i don't know if they sprayed the track or not but it seemed it and it was kind of building up the way bristol would um and you couldn't really run in it it was very slick so i was running below it for a while and when i got the second i saw how high matt was running i was like oh let me try that and uh that made a huge difference and we just, just get back in the throttle real quick and uh, you know that that made a huge huge help for us and um, you know, he his car started to feed probably a little bit more than mine did, and um, like you said, it was uh, just a good race. Nice to have fans back. Nice to do that victory with the fans back, and I mean, heckling with you and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, even the ones that were booing, you know, they're still making noise. It means they're passionate for our series, and uh, you know, uh, it's good to have them back for sure. You know, they've been through a lot. All everybody has with COVID, and uh, it's nice that we can get to a racetrack that's allowing fans, and it's a good crowd out there for sure.
1: Before we get to that, um, you start on the pole at a new facility you've never been to before. We basically three-quarters or more of the race. I mean, what was the track like to get used to? Was it different than what you've run before, something similar to somewhere else?
3: It was a fun little racetrack. Uh, and really, uh, because we're, we're going to Manadnock tomorrow... Yeah. Um, it certainly brings it to mind because, obviously, we're, we're preparing for those two. But I tell you what, there's not a lot of difference between the two uh, in terms of, like, even how long it takes you to get around them uh, and even the way you set the cars up and even drive it because of the banking and stuff. So uh, I tell you, they're they're pretty similar, really. Uh, I mean, no two tracks are alike, and they're not that close. But uh, if you if you like racing at Monadnock or, or run well there, you'd probably run well here and vice versa. So you...
1: You know, obviously your both of your cars are probably handling like crap at lap one seventy five. You got tires are worn off it. Um, he's trying to set you up, you're trying to run your groove. Take me through the, the, the bump and then the ensuing restart. Are you trying to give him a shot back, it looks like maybe or
3: No, the um... Earlier in the race, uh, I mean, the 10 ran me pretty hard, and he probably saved a little bit. So he might have had a little more tire left at the end because he was able to save some early. Um, But during the race, the track changed, and I changed my line, and that line I was running, uh, I mean, I was given... There was another groove there, um, and I know he was looking around and searching, but he didn't really wasn't able to make an attempt to pass other than then he moved me um and he gave me a good shot there sent me up the track and out of the groove and in the marbles but uh um yeah i mean i'm not going to be happy about it because obviously i come out on the short end after such a good race but uh you know he didn't wreck me but he moved me Is it, uh, do you feel like you got crossed up at the end of the front straightaway? Or were you straight going in there? I mean, do you you feel like you
1: just sent it in there and slammed you out of the way? Or was there...
3: Um, I mean, like you said, at that point, you know, we were both... Well, I shouldn't say both, but, I mean, you know, we had run hard all race. So, uh, you know, we'd used up, uh you know, tire and whatever. So there's not a lot left there at the end. I mean, you're you're working the wheel pretty good, but I was able to kind of run that line and stay ahead of him. But, you know, he definitely got into me pretty good. I mean, that's obvious. Yeah. Was there anything on that last restart? Feel like you needed to hit him back? No, uh, I mean, Kobe uh, Kobe filled the bottom, yeah. so it didn't allow me to get in behind him. Actually, Kobe's uh, got him a little bit loose there once, not me. Uh, Kobe got into him yeah. just a little bit and got him a little squirrely. Um, but uh, yeah, it was only two laps to go. So uh, with Kobe and I side by side there. Um, I would have stayed out in that lane and uh, maybe tried to get back up next to him, but uh, no, it didn't work out. Were you surprised how much the lane changed? You seemed like practice was so much different,
1: lane-wise, than the end of the race. You guys are up instead of down, right on the bottom.
3: Yeah, no, it was it was fun the way it worked out, the way it changed. Uh, I really enjoyed racing uh, on a track that uh, kind of uh, you know the grooves change. You had to you had to move around. You had to change your line. It wasn't a one-group racetrack. So, no, it was uh, it was all good. All fun stuff. I really enjoyed it. You run a lot of modified races. What's the difference in
1: competition level? Here you go. Tri-Track Tomorrow is a completely different ball game. A lot of similar drivers, but do you run this just for
3: competition for the tour? Or are you trying to prove that you can to win tour races? I mean- well, I've, we've already done that. I mean, I think uh, we um, because we do this on a very limited part-time thing, and if you go back over the, since his PD Motorsports team was formed, um, if you go back and look at, you know, how many pulls we want and what our finishes are now i'm happy where we're at after these two races a fourth and a second because two years ago we were a top three car and uh that was only running four races and we're a top three car last year i felt like we took a little bit of a step back um and i think that might have been just circumstance strategy it didn't play out pitch strategy things like that um we still ended up second at US oswego then at the end of the year but i'm glad that we're back Basically, is a top five, and today more than a top five, a, a winning contender. Um, you know, the ten and the fifty-one, they do that all the time here. Uh, I think it says a lot for us that we're able to come in here and uh, and race for a win like that. Uh, Excited from an ad long? Oh yeah, that's just another one of my favorite tracks, uh, and the tri-track format. I mean, it has always produced really good racing. Um, sorry, you're good. Um, so uh, no, that's really going to be good. Uh, this. This kind of reminded me of a Tri-Track track, track is what it reminded me of, uh, because that's the places Tri-Track's gone to over the years and goes to now. Um, So this kind of reminded me of a place that Tri-Track really would, uh, that the show would be a great show uh, because it just fits what that series is. And uh, I was glad to get to come here though, part of the wheeling tour.
1: The grooving practice was really low. Then I saw in the race, you guys are up in the middle. It almost seemed like at the end you were using that bump to your advantage, maybe? I mean, what what did the track go
4: through at the end? Well, uh, I was really good for the first hundred. Uh, I think I could have used the outside on that if I wanted to get real aggressive. I didn't want to kill myself over the bump too many times. So I tried the bottom once or twice, and I was like, I could jam him up quite a bit. And then I was like, let me just see how it is out here, because we're going to be lapping cars. And if there's anything, maybe he's going to be weak lapping cars, and I'll be able to squeak by him if my car is good. And my car was really good uh, on the outside and really good over that bump somehow. And uh, we just lost some uh, every restart. It took us 10, 15 laps to really come in. And once we did, we were back to where we needed to be. But by that point, they had stretched it out in that second half of the race. So. I don't know. I don't think I pushed it too early. I think we just uh, didn't know how to adjust for this track, didn't know how the track was going to change, and it was a blast. I mean, Matt and I were talking out the, on the racetrack. You know, we didn't win, which sucks. Didn't have a car at the end that was, like, driving perfectly. But, man, it was, it was a fun uh, chess match between – usually it's a chess match between the drivers, and this was a chess match between me and the track to figure out where can I get grip. Because some of these short tracks, when the grip goes away, it just goes away for good. This track – grip might have gone away where you were just racing but if you searched around you could maybe find something a little bit better that worked and we ran some fast laps at the end of the race um you know, only about a tenth and a half off our fastest lap, so just couldn't repeat it, and the restarts killed us. The last restart, I was actually decent. I think I could have really jammed Justin up pretty good if I wanted to, but it's too risky, you know what I mean? You know, you're going to get penalized, or you're going to wreck your race car, and it's like, man, I was hoping Matt got a good restart and Justin would have had to run him up, and I could have been there to have something for it, but... Uh, whatever that's short track racing it was fun what did you i mean you were kind of further back than the, the bump i guess
1: um i mean you made with Matt a lot not as much as you raced with justin you see something like that what goes through your mind you saw it in front of you right did you see
4: it oh yeah oh yeah i saw him go up the track and um you know, Matt doesn't just drive up the racetrack. So, I mean, that's all you could say is that there had to be some sort of contact. Um, you know, when I was behind Matt a couple times, Matt runs you tight and he runs you hard. He runs you clean, but he runs you hard. And there's a couple times where I got under him and I'm like, I might not be able to get out yeah. one of these times. A couple times I got a wheel on the outside of him and it's like, okay, you're going to lay land. Yeah, yeah. You know, I might have to do something. So, I just don't think on these short tracks you can really pick apart a pass for the lead or somebody hits their bumper because, truthfully, with the lap cars coming and the group changing around and us changing our lines to try to be faster, uh, I think that we uh, we all were having fun and anybody who's in second with, you know, under 20 to go, you're going to use the bumper if you have to, and you should. I mean, it's short track racing. We do it at Riverhead. We do it at Seekmunk. We do it anywhere, so uh, I'm a big... Big proponent of the idea that if you pass a guy with a bumper and he still finishes like second or third, that it could not so have been good. too bad, you know. I mean, it's not sure Matt's not too happy, yeah. and sure they're excited. Um, I would have loved to seen them clobber each other a little harder, but uh, you know we just fell off a little bit. So was there a, so you did get a really good start that last free restart. Was there a thought in your mind if person gets to him, he might kick him up the track out no. there? or No, no, I don't. I think Matt's too clean. Uh, Matt doesn't want to wreck a car. I mean, I guess. I don't know how bad Matt thought he got dumped in a sense. So if he was really pissed off, maybe he would have laid a bumper on him if I let Matt get in. But truthfully, I think Justin was going to be too worried and washing up the track, and he was a little bit loose. So I was like, you know what? I'm not going to let Matt get in there and just pound on yeah. his bumper a little bit. I'm going to try to sneak under if I can. And I, you know, Matt nerfed me a little bit on the um, coming to one to go, which really gave Justin a, a you know, a yeah. comfortable half car length advantage. If that didn't happen, if maybe I cleared Matt, maybe I could have done what Justin did to Matt. You know, I don't know. But I'm happy that everybody's in one piece because I I don't want to put NASCAR in a position to make a call on a great race with three good cars on the last lap. You know what I mean? So second time as owner-driver, what's the feel at the racetrack? Is
1: it different than it was last year? Same
4: type of thing? No, it's the same. Uh, Everybody's job's on the car. I got the same crew, you know, and stuff. So everything's the same there. Um, Truthfully, I'm just ticked off about, like, p2 in time trials both races you know because honestly it's a thousand bucks a race for you know the pole award and you know every little position here it's like i'm not chasing points on that but truthfully second would have been a lot better than third money wise so uh i'm not racing any differently i think you guys can see that uh trying my best to keep the car good and, and if i had to be aggressive out there i would have been but i just didn't have the car really to make any crazy moves so uh, it's been fun. Everybody's been awesome. The crew guys been awesome. Everybody's doing a great job. And, uh, you know, we'll see where we go race next. Is there any concern over that uncertainty? I mean, there's no for sure races left, I don't think at all right now, that are concrete. Is there concern from a team owner and driver perspective, I guess? Well, yes and no. I mean, the concern that I have is if all of a sudden we're able to schedule a lot of races, I think I'd be more concerned about that than not racing. Um, I don't love that that they uh, might schedule a race like a week from now or two yeah. weeks from now. I think that's a little bit hectic for us. Uh, but they're doing the best they can do. And to find a facility like this that paid us a, a respectable purse to come yeah. here, had fans in the stands, uh, and it was a blast to come here. It's not terribly far for all of us. I think this was a good move. Um And uh, hopefully they are talking already right now about a second race here because there's no reason why, if they want us here in August, why we shouldn't come back.
0: Victory Custom Trailers is a new and used trailer and RV dealership specializing in motor coaches, toter homes, race trailers, stackers, and lift gates. Their number one priority is to provide the absolute best customer service and deliver the finest quality trailers and coaches with flawless fit and finish. With over 200 coaches and trailers in stock, they are sure to have what you're looking for. If you're looking for something more custom, they can assist you in designing a trailer to meet your specifications, so you will not be disappointed. In fact, you can design your very own trailer right from their website. For more information, just go to the website. You can check their inventory online. It's VictoryCustomTrailers.com. That's VictoryCustomTrailers.com. Welcome back to Mainly Modifieds. You just heard uh the winner view, as I like to call it, and uh we heard from uh second and third place as well for the Wheel Tour. And Kyle, um again, uh this this was obviously a good old fashioned short track throwdown, and I can totally understand um why these guys would want to go back there again. It's exactly the type of track that uh modified should be racing on. And um you heard I think it was Hirschman that mentioned that um he felt very comfortable um because it's kind of a tri track track and, and uh you know it's one of those situations where um you know i think these guys really enjoy that type of racing obviously uh you had the fan aspect of it and um you know i, I would hope that they could get another race at least one more race worked out uh, before the end of the year there uh especially because i think uh there may be i don't want to get too far ahead of the shark here but um it it's starting to um it, it's starting to look at least a little more murky as to whether uh uh, any Any of the tracks in New York are going to be able to run this year or not, which would put the um, Oswego date in Jeopardy on Labor Day weekend, but we can get to that in a moment so uh, but again, these guys um, it was it was interesting listening to the different versions of what happened and kind of the different uh um, you know comments about it nobody nobody 's walking away with a big grudge, if anything. Um, I think what you saw was you you had perhaps the three guys, you know, that, that you, you, Hirschman's probably may or may not do the whole tour at this point, whatever there is of it, but, um, you know, this, it, there, there becomes a bit of a rivalry now that develops and makes it more interesting going forward, more so than anything born out of anger. It's just, um, you know, okay, well, next time I'm, you know,
1: I'm going to get you kind of thing. Yeah, and I think that brings up... Um... You know, the race in general, Tom, and the finish just brings up so many questions about what's right and what's wrong in modified racing. Uh, And I think any type of racing, right? We've seen the bump and run how many times um, over the last, you know, 50, 60 years of racing. Basically, since back in the day, they ran the dirt of Daytona Beach. I think they might have even seen that then. Um, I wasn't there, but, uh, you know, (laughs) I've seen this bump and run. I've seen this bump and run in four-cylinder divisions. I've seen it in legend cars. I've seen it in modifieds. I've seen it in super late models. I've seen it in late models. I've seen it in sport trucks. I've seen it in everything. Um, And and it's almost to a point now where it's a little bit more reasonable to do than it was 15, 20 years ago, I think. Uh, 15, 20 years ago, if you bump somebody out of the way for the win, after the race, the guy probably put your car in the fence and and knocked you out in the pits, and it was over. (laughs) Um, Nowadays, you know, you do the bump and run, and and you got two classy guys here like Monsignor and Kobe um, I think it's a little bit easier, uh, for it to occur that way. And then, and then them kind of talk about it at briefly, I did tweet out a picture. Uh, I would say maybe 20 ish minutes after I talked to all three drivers, Bonsignor and Hirschman were talking, albeit with their face coverings on, um, yeah. were talking about what happened and I, I wasn't going to be the guy that stood there and listened to what they said. Right. Uh, but I did grab a shot of the two of them talking. It was a civil conversation. Uh, I overheard them kind of saying, you know, Justin, here's what happened from my view. What happened from your view? They talked about it. They'll move on. Matt Hirschman's not the type of guy that's going to go out there and wreck Justin Bonsignor because of this. Uh, There might be some other guys in racing that I would call a hothead uh, that might go out there and do that. Matt Hirschman is not that type of guy. No, I agree. I promise you that he's not going to do that. I I wouldn't say that maybe the next time Matt Hirschman's not behind Justin Bonsignor with five laps to go, and he's a little bit faster than Justin, there there could be a bumper. Don't get me wrong. That could happen. Um, but I don't think Matt Hirschman is going to maliciously go out there and go after Justin, uh, and that's pretty obvious. So, overall, uh, you know, you heard Doug Kobe talk about his team there, some good stuff there as well about where they're at and how their race went. Uh, but I want to finish the Modified Tour segment by saying kudos to White Mountain, uh, Chris Michaud and the gang, for bringing in the Modified for Tour. sure. Kudos yeah. to the fans for coming out. You heard Justin talk about how great it was to have uh fans back in the stands and that's a major, 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 major part of this event. Uh, you know, they couldn't pay the purse they did if there wasn't fans in the stands, I guarantee oh, it. Yeah, no doubt. And number three, uh, you know, you mentioned you heard Kobe say it. We talked about it before the break to listen to the interviews. There is a chance they go back there in twenty twenty. And I think the you know the reality of the situation is we're already almost in the middle of July and there are no you know no circumstances to the point where we are even have any concrete races left on the calendar. So, right. no, nothing, nothing, and I mean nothing, is concrete going forward. We've just run two races in four weeks or so. And, uh, you know, right now we've got no races left, basically. Whoa. So, uh, we're going to see how that goes. You know, Intel and sources telling me, obviously, they're working on it. There was some talk of a July 18th race at either Thunder Road, which is a track that's operated by the same family of uh, ownership. Uh, when I say family, I don't mean blood. I mean, you know, good people. I know what people. you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, there was some talk of that on July 18th. There was some talk going back to White Mountain in July 18th for a second stop. As of this recording, uh, nothing announced. I don't think that's likely. I think what's more likely is August 1st uh, will be the next race. I think it's likely that August 1st will be either White Mountain or Thunder Road, and I think there might be an opportunity to race somewhere else if, if it comes up. But I think August 1st is the next one, uh, and that's three, four weeks away now. Maybe they'll sneak something in before that, but I doubt it. Uh, and, and that's going to mean we're on race three in August. So I think, uh, our target number that we said weeks ago, six to eight races, I think is likely Tom, uh, in 2020. And, uh, you know, we talked about it last week. We'll talk about it again here. Uh, you know, Justin Bonsignore is two for two. And I said last week, I would not be surprised if he wins all of those six to eight races. And, uh, you know, I don't want to toot my own horn here, but, uh, it happened <laughs> Saturday at white mountain and I'm sure the next track they go to, they're going to unload fast again and be right there, so it is possible that he ends up winning all the races in twenty twenty i don't I just uh, i don't see that happening there's too many variables here I think uh
0: eventually somebody's going to trip him up. I think Doug Kobe got way closer this time and uh obviously had a good shot at it and and so did Hirschman um you know the the law of averages says that you 're not going to have six or eight perfect races um, i'm not saying it absolutely can happen i'm just saying I think the odds are pretty. Pretty high that it won't happen, but uh, he certainly is the guy to beat. A couple of quick things from my uh, perspective here. First of all, I think we – did. do we not have another race scheduled at Jennerstown, or is that, um, is that still up in the air, or did we actually get another date on the calendar? I was thinking it was well, mid, mid or late August. Uh, yeah, I mean,
1: there is another date on the calendar there, August 22nd. That's I mean, I thought. Okay. Oswe- You know, a race at Oswego for Labor Day weekend. There's, well, there's races at Riverhead scheduled. I, I mean – from a team perspective, talking to car owners, talking to drivers, even talking to people at NASCAR, uh, all those races are scheduled, and that's great. Um, but nobody really knows what's going to happen two months from now. So well, uh, I think that they're taking this race by race. Jimmy Wilson has said that, that you know they're going to book out some races and hope that they run. Uh, but there's a little bit of speculation, Tom uh especially in new york uh from what i'm hearing from car owners and nascar themselves that they're going to be able to get any races in new york in at all well uh in 2020. that's where i was going with this
0: i wanted to kind of look ahead because you mentioned that you thought that six to eight was still uh on target and so we've run two and you 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 think that on around the first of august we could see another one uh at one of two different tracks uh up there and so if, if that happens, then you go to Jennerstown again, which unless Pennsylvania, unless something changes from where it is now in Pennsylvania, that one should be doable. Now, of course, you know, there are other considerations, um, you know, the purse, do the teams agree, whatever, you know, that kind of thing. But I think in terms of just the, uh, the COVID situation, unless Pennsylvania takes a no dive, nosedive, that one should be doable. Now, um, That would give us three or four, rather, if we do the August 1st date at Thunder Mountain or um, Thunder Road or, or White Mountain. Um, now, what I was getting to was um, New York State canceled the New York State Fair uh, this week. And, and, you know, that's the biggest money-making event the state has each year. So when you look at that, um, that would seem to greatly lessen the chance that we're going to see fans at a racetrack in 2020 in New York state, Oswego Speedway is not in a position to open without fans. And so uh, the announcement, while we were taping this show uh, on Tuesday, the seventh, while we were taping this show, the announcement came out that Oswego had canceled all of its July events. Um, And so you're looking at this point. I mean, they're, I think they're kind of not wanting to just flat say, no, we're done, we're shut down for the year. But realistically, uh, the governor there has said that there, he's not even going to talk about fans at a racetrack until at least August 2nd. And But then he just canceled the New York State Fair. So, you know, there's, there's some interesting logistics in play there. And part of Oswego's issue, too, is going to be and And again, you and I have alluded to this even with your divisions, some of them up there, the series that run in Canada or whatever the Canadian border they're talking about keeping that shut down for the rest of the year um and if that happens, and the Oswego wants to run, they're going to lose at least one competitor and a number of fans and right now, the other thing that that's in play is that New York has a bunch of states that uh, where if you if you travel from you know from those states to new york you got a quarantine for two weeks now north carolina where i'm sitting is on that list and you know oswego has a couple of teams based believe it or not in north carolina um that would travel up there and so so there's a lot of considerations there so all i I, all that is to say that i don't know that we can necessarily and again i don't want to jump the shark and say it's not going to happen but i i don't want uh, but but i would i would Right now, I would say it's probably, in my in my opinion, looking at the scenario and kind of understanding the underlying, uh, you know, motivations going on with some of these blue state governors. With this, um, I would say it's less than a 50% chance that uh, the Oswego race goes off. And if that turns out to be the case, then obviously, you know, getting to that six to eight, you're going to have to depend on. Um, some shows maybe down this way, and then you run into the quarantine issue when these teams go back.
1: So you know, yeah, and I invi- think I think the whole other aspect of this, Tom, is there's more races in New York too. I mean, there's two scheduled at Riverhead. Yeah, uh, oh, that's true. And, and that's Riverhead, right. Yeah, Riverhead has yeah, come out. Right. You know, Riverhead's come out and rescheduled their June race to October. Yeah, uh, and they've said they hope to run their September race, but they're not starting any type of racing until August. I think right. they might run a practice session at the well, end of they July. Can. But yeah. Uh, You know, there's a lot of things here that are still moving. I think think you're right. I think Jennerstown, you know, Jennerstown's likely uh, to occur. I think you're going to get, you know, if I had my best guess from what I'm hearing, you're going to get at least one more race at White Mountain. Uh, I think you're going to end up at Thunder Road, too. So I think you're going to get two races out of that. Uh, If Thunder Road goes well and they do that August 1st, then what the heck? Why not go there a second time if the governor allows it in Vermont? Uh, So I I think six to eight races is still possible. Right. Uh, I just don't think it's going to look anything like what anybody right. thought it would. That's I mean, you got two races at Jennerstown. Say, you know, just say two at White Mountain, one at Thunder Road makes five, and then you you might get that race at Loudon for the Musket 200 uh, if things are still okay in New Hampshire uh, in September, and then after that, I don't know. I mean, you know, the NASCAR Wheel of Modified Tour is probably not going to go to Wall Stadium, right? Uh, unless there's a debacle, you know, a major change there. The NASCAR Wheel of Modified Tour has two races scheduled at Stafford, August 7th uh, and the end of September. And, and I, I'm sorry, I don't see them happening. I mean, yeah. you mentioned North Carolina. A lot of the guys that work on the Modified Tour, including Jimmy Wilson, the director of the Modified Tour, Are from come North, from North that's, Carolina. That's why I brought and, that up. Right. And if they, he comes up here, he's going to quarantine before the race. And right. I, you know, I'm not going to speak for Jimmy Wilson, but I, I find it really hard to believe that Jimmy Wilson is just going to disobey that order uh and come up here and do that on the name of nascar i I just don't see that happening so i'm skeptical i still think we're on target for the six to eight though i I think the races in new hampshire we're going to get there with racing up here uh in new hampshire and vermont i think we can get the six to eight using a couple tracks in new hampshire uh jennerstown uh maybe even somewhere around south boston or myrtle beach but uh in general uh you know speculations there that, that this season could be four races don't get me wrong there's a good chance that it's not six to eight races. And, uh, I think you've got some possibility with what you can
0: make up up there if you do like a second race at, uh, you know, White Mountain and you do a, a, a one or two at Thunder Road and another at Jennerstown. You can get to five, six, seven, eight races from, from those types of events. But that I just, I, I thought it was worth explaining, um, you know, to everybody, why um, the tour just couldn't be any more certain than it is. And it's because all of these different states and these governors are doing so many different things. And, you know, it, that you're it's almost, you know, you wait, you're still at the point where if you're a serious promoter or a track owner, you're waking up every morning going, OK, what's the rules today? Because it changes that quickly. So, um right. You know, that's kind of where we're at with the wheel and tour. Uh, I feel like we could transition to the uh, tri track race because that was the. Um That was the the second race of your weekend. Uh, I'm insanely jealous, by the way, that you got to go to two modified races last weekend, and I didn't. Uh, But but this race, again, comes down to a bump and run. And again, um, this is another series that obviously isn't a big national series like NASCAR. But it is one of the reasons why I keep saying that New England racing new england motorsports this the landscape up there is still thriving way beyond um you know where most of the country is uh in this day and age and i'm not just talking about with covid i'm just saying in general um i love this tri-track series and uh it proved out
1: to be a great race meet again at uh, Monadnock knock over the weekend right yeah i mean uh you know setting the scene for that one 30 cars at white mountain we mentioned for the tour 37 yeah. Uh, 37 analogs. So 47, I'm sorry, 77 modifies between 67. the two tracks. Uh, 60, <laughs> I cannot count it all. 67 <laughs> modifies between the two tracks. Some guys ran both uh in in different cars. I don't think there was anybody out there that ran the same car in both. Uh, You know, Gluss won the race. We'll talk about that in a second, but yep. he ran a different car. Sapienza ran a different car. Ronnie Silk was in a whole new ride uh compared to his tour ride. So was uh, Chase Dowling. Matt right. Swanson, still in old blue, but a different chassis. Uh so similar drivers to the modified tour, um in many cases at, at some level. Uh guys like Woody Pitcat, you know, running for Stan Mertz instead of Eddie Harvey. Uh so a mix there. And then a lot of Tri Track stars too. Guys like Richard savory guys like Les Hinckley, uh guys that have been around Tri Track, been around the New England modified community for a long time. This Tri Track series uh is really thriving. Uh and, and it's actually grown from three races, you know, when they first made it as tri-track, three different tracks, three different races, it's grown uh, now to six races. So, I mean, there is a lot of speculation uh, in the future of what the tri-track series could do uh, if NASCAR kind of falters a little bit. And I think tri-track would be in a position where, you know, certainly they could add more races, uh, and their purse is really good too. $40,000 or so for the overall purse, uh, and it costs, the racetrack, you know, not, not as much as it would for a modified tour well, race. Oh, sure, yeah. Uh, and it also opens the door for a $6,000 win contingency-laden race. Uh, and, and who doesn't want to go run that? So sure. 37 cars, they ran four heat races, two constellations, uh, and obviously their 100 lap feature. You mentioned the bump and run. It comes down to that again. Uh, Les Hinckley takes the lead somewhere around 30 laps to go after a pit stop for tires. Everybody pitted for tires somewhere around lap 64, I think it was. Uh, Everybody pits. They come in for tires. uh, And then they come off pit road in the same spots they went in because it's a competition yellow. Right. And in the end, uh, Hinkley's kind of the man in control for the last couple restarts. Chase Dowling was outside him, couldn't get a jump. Uh, There was a couple cautions in a row in lap 92. Tri track, unlike the Tour, does not count the cautions. So 100 green flag laps. And in the end, Les Hinkley by two car links down the back straightaway on the last lap. In turn three, he gets a shot from behind from Craig Lutz, gets kicked up the track to the third groove, and uh, he takes down the win, uh, does Craig Lutz with that bump and run. Hinkley, you know, visibly, verbally, uh, mentally upset uh, with the way it played out. And I think that, you know, for the second day in a row and the second race in two days, we have a bump and run for the win. And then the question is, you know, first of all, Craig Lutz wins. He wins the sixth grand. Hinkley finishes second. Uh, And gets three thousand two hundred fifty dollars, still a decent payday, but it's not six grand. And it brings up the question again: Is this bump and run uh, okay to do? I I don't know the answer. Well, I mean, and
0: here again, you and I are two media guys, and I've raced some in 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 real cars, uh, but not you know enough to by any means call myself an expert. Um, But it's it's um, for me, I saw this as too different. Situations. Um, I felt like Saturday was kind of racing. I mean, yeah, okay, it was still a bump and run. But, um, looking at Sunday, and again, I I I'm not gonna you know shame Craig Lutz, but um, he came from a a little ways back, um, and and it was it was you know as as somebody explained to me once, there's a bump and run, and there's a dump and run and um i don't know that craig did the dump and run but somewhere between the b and the d um you know to me to me it's a slam and run yeah i mean it, it was definitely um that i feel like craig said i'm going to move him period and he just drove he didn't he just drove flat into him and and uh, and ran him over and that that's what i saw and and again Nobody cares what I think, so I'm not going to spend – who, who am I to lecture? You know, I, I just gave you my opinion a little while ago of it. It's worth as, as, as much or as little as anyone else's. But, um, but I just do – I do think I will suffice for, for myself to say I think you draw a big distinction between what we saw on Saturday and what we saw on Sunday. Um, and I think that it could be argued that Saturday, okay, Sunday –
1: uh, maybe not. Um Yeah, and I, I agree. You know, I think that, you know, Craig Bless's move in turn three, obviously, Les Hinkley is, is, is in my opinion, Les Hinkley's probably the most classy Yes, uh, and the most well-respected modified driver there is right now uh, in any modified time. racing. And I think Matt Hirschman, we talked about, is right there with him. Yep. Um But, you know, the fact that it happens to Les Hinkley may, maybe puts this in a different light, knowing how respectful and how clean he is on the racetrack. Um, or it doesn't. You know, for some people it might. He doesn't move people out of the way, so yeah. nobody should move him. For others, it's like it doesn't matter who it is. I'm chasing six thousand dollars, and if I just give this guy the bumper, I'm gonna pocket the check. So I, I he, get both sides to it. You know what? Uh, you can't really you can't really fault Craig Glutz either. I, I understand. You know that people don't like the bump and run, really, or the slam and run, whatever you want to call it in this circumstance, but. There's another six thousand dollars in the line there uh, to win that race, and, well, and the prestige of winning the tri track, and I think that also plays a role.
0: Well, of course it does, and 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 I guess maybe I maybe we can sort of uh, tie this into a bow by saying it this way: the the drivers we we definitely saw after Saturday the two guys involved communicating with each other, kind of deciding you know whatever, and the drivers kind of make their own rules. And the way I feel about it is, if you're willing to bump. For the win, then you better be okay when the next time it's you that's getting bumped. Because if you bump, but then, you know, two, three races later, somebody bumps you and you complain about the move, well, then you're just being a hypocrite. So as long as, as long as as a driver, if you're going to be okay with bumping somebody, you're also okay with getting bumped the next time um then you know i, I who are we to, to to sit here on a show and 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 call them you know anything for that um the drivers need to make their own rules but you you just need to be as a driver you, i think you need to be willing to um if you're going to give it you got to be willing to take it uh you know somewhere else down the road and that's it's funny because you know you watch NASCAR and fans you know depending on who the driver is that commits the crime you know they 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 talk about it differently and I and Joey Logano's one of the ones that always gets bashed um but the, the the truth is that Joey's probably one of the only guys that I have I think maybe one time but rarely do you hear Joey say you know, that that guy shouldn't have done that to me. He, if he hits you and you hit him back, he basically goes, well, I had it coming, you know, I mean, I did it, I did it. So, you know, I had to expect that was what was going to happen, you know, and and it's that kind of a thing. So, um, but you know what, the fact that we're sitting here on our our podcast here um, this afternoon talking about this. And in 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 spending so much time talking about racing on the racetrack, I'll take it, man. Those were both great finishes. Um I'm sure Les Hinckley is deeply frustrated and disappointed. Um, you know, but uh the from a fan's point of view, um, boy oh boy, what a great couple days of racing and and for Hinckley, honestly. I think he really, I mean, I, again, I think if you're in the New England area, you obviously know him, but outside of the area, maybe not so much. Um, he certainly uh, introduced himself in a big way the other day. That was a great race that he drove.
1: Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I think the whole other thing about the Tri-Track Series is, is the fact that the competition is so stiff from yes. position one to yeah. position 20, you know, 26. And they started 28, I believe uh Instead of 26, but you got tour guys, uh you've got non-tour guys in there. There's so many guys in there that are, uh you know, uh, on top of their game on, on the modified tour, and then they come over to tri-track, and then you got tri-track guys mixed in. So, uh you know, without further ado, Tom, why don't we switch over? Same thing as the other one, the other clip we played a little bit earlier with the interviews. You're going to hear two different drivers. uh The first one is Craig Watts, and that interview came literally, you know, five minutes after he climbed out of the car on the track. I was yeah. still on the track with him. Uh, running victory lane for the tri-track series, and then uh, then we'll hear from Kinkley, uh, who you know obviously has cooled down probably 20 minutes after the race, but still is is really not overly yeah. thrilled with it for for good reason. So, um, I mean, let's go back a bit. The heat race, you guys were fair to say way off. I mean, what the heck was going on? in mean, Just the setup off,
5: bad draw. Um, a little bit of both. You know, you come in here, you you, you think your the setup's gonna work, and it didn't. But, um, you know, start, you know, we, we barely made, we start off the day, the, we drew last in a heat race. So, yeah. you know, all the fields are stacked because they're all good cars. So um ended up finishing sixth in the heat race, one spot short, started on the pole in the consie, won the consie, started 22nd, and uh, ended up winning here. So so take me through the last set of the race. And when I was on the PA, you
1: guys back in seventh, back in ninth, you get up to fifth. You get up to fourth, you get up to third. I mean, what the heck was going through your mind? You just seemed like every yellow. You picked off a spot or two and put yourself in a position to be there.
5: Yeah, I mean, we had to be patient. 22 cars, small small track, and uh, not a lot of room to make passes. So uh, just try to do them all smart and uh, keep the wheels on it so I could be up here. And uh, we were able to do that.
1: Is there any... I mean, take me through the last corner. What's going on in your mind? when diving down the backstreet, chasing six grand, chasing a tri-track win, and what I believe, correct, correct me if I'm wrong, is the first start yeah, first, in this series. I mean, what,
5: what goes through your mind going into turn three? Um, you look at uh, all the races won lately, you know, the, the, the tour race yesterday. You know, it's there, it's modified racing. You know, if I'd be pissed too, but, you know, you have to understand that I'm going for a win, he's going for a win, and he was hanging on for dear life, and I gave him a little tap that he wasn't expecting and i was able to open up the bottom i mean we both finished so it's not like he ended up in defense he still finished second so no you know uh no there, you're not win. you're n- no to you're not gonna make everyone happy but you know
1: men burns burn up the front straightaway.
5: away i'm still here winning victory lane so that's all that matters
1: to me is there i mean obviously plans to run these races going forward as long as there's no confliction um But nice to start like this. And what does it say about this team? I mean, a family-owned operation that's got help from Goody to come together on this series, winning on the tour, running on front tour is one thing. But this tour seems to take the competition throughout the field to a new level.
5: Yeah, I mean, there's any any type of modified racing is you got the toughest competition in the world. You know, you uh, you have everyone that puts their heart and soul in. To making their cars go fast and trying to win races so uh you know the tour is just a different level you know you you need a lot more than just a good car and uh you know a good setup you need the whole package and that's what we've been figuring out and then here you know you just gotta yeah, things gotta go your way and that's that's the way it went tonight so um let, before we get to what happened at the end uh, what else is there to talk about? I know.
6: <laughs> Good track for you. Yeah. A lot of success here. I mean, you guys were on point, uh, especially after the tires. You seemed like the car was there. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, we found a home in the first two-thirds of the race to, you know, ride in our spot and, and keep our spot. I mean, it wasn't like it was in cruise control, but we were able to, you know, comfortably keep our spot there and t- try to take care of the car the best we could. And that uh competition caution came out, made uh, right adjustments, the calls were right, and, you know, the car was pretty rock solid from the start, made it, you know, just a thick better, and, you know, to the front we went, and, you know, I just, you know, they weren't going to catch me without the cautions, and, you know, he tried to drive through me, uh, are you ready for that part of the story? Go for it, go for it, <laughs> you know, he tried Take to drive through he, the whole thing. He tried to drive through me on the restart, he drove over the left rear bottomed out the left rear of the car, and, yeah. I mean, I would have been fool if I gave up the bottom, I wasn't going to give up the bottom, and... and had no chance of going by me on the outside so but he never tried you know that's the part that pisses me off you had laps to try and you never tried you i mean if you could pull up tapes and record books there's probably you know I, I don't know how many cars i passed here on the outside but never driven never driven through anybody ever for you know a win like that it just you know just uh never squared a guy up punted him in the back pushed him out two grooves and and so good about myself. You know, was, so. was there? I mean, down the back street, Do you think it's coming? I mean, uh, I heard you
1: say on the track, like that's how they race now. Is that like a tour thing? You think that where that came from? Or
6: yeah, yeah. I mean, that's his only shot. You know, it went on last night. I mean, I I, I wasn't there. I saw it on the you know I the NBC app. But you know, and you know, I I think that. I wasn't there. I don't want to speak to the particulars yes. of that race, but I, I saw the end of that race play out a little differently than the end of this race. I think Justin was faster than Matt at that point, and, and Matt was doing his job as the leader. Now, he wasn't faster than I was. He didn't have a shot at passing me. He didn't have a shot to drive around me. He didn't have any turns left to get it done in. Last 23. 23 aluminum, yeah. Uh, that, was, that was his move, just... Not lift, drive in the corner, use me for the brake, and as I got, you know, up and out of the groove and crossed up trying to collect the car, and you know, they told me if I spun, they would have thrown them out. Well, I mean, <laughs> what, what, what is that? You know, and, and don't get me wrong, track guys are great guys. A lot of them are my friends. They do a good job. They're put in an awkward position, but you know that. That's just not right. Nothing at all you could have done differently if you was back there. You held the bottom, held the brake, right? I held the bottom, was on the brake, had the car light. That's the only reason I didn't spin out, because I had the car locked right, down on right, the bottom of the race right, right. Yeah. You know, there's nothing. Nothing exactly. not more I could do. It, you know, the only thing I could have done was had a few more laps to drive away from. Yeah. but yeah. You know, so, but, you know, whatever. Nah, I don't
1: know. <laughs> fair, fair enough to say, though, I mean, happy with the run at least. I mean, oh, yeah,
6: yeah, 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 not... Yeah, yeah, the car the car was, you know, good. I mean, we were, you know, <laughs> we were good in practice, made some right, made adjustments. We're happy with the car. Uh, beginning, first two-thirds of the race, was able to maintain and ride where we were, and then at the stop, made a couple of adjustments, went to the front, and you saw, in, in, in the five, six short lap, three flag laps, we were pulling away. You know, the restarts, and, you know, the restarts were tough. You know, they called me back for jumping once, but... Um, it was because Chase was jumping me on every restart, so I felt like I had to go. And they they gave me the warning, which put me in a tough spot. And then Chase continued to jump every time. So I mean, I kept getting him. Then they finally called him back for jumping. So I felt like, well, both of us, you know, it, it's tough. So he can't jump me now. So I'm back to at least being par with him. You know, and I don't know, it's a tough deal. <laughs> you know, the time I jumped, I, I, I did go early. I'll, I'll grant them that. But I mean, it was probably six, eight feet. So.
0: is your job sucking the life out of you wake up you can do something else information technology i know what you're thinking but i'm not a math or science person no excuses no problem it's not rocket science it's my computer career helping people start an it career is their thing if you don't absolutely love what you do, go to mycomputercareer.edu and take the free career evaluation today. You could start your new life as an information technology professional in as little as four months. Attend classes on campus or live online just two or three times a week to get what you'll need to start your new career. More than just a school, My Computer Career helps you get into the industry by working with hundreds of employers that hire their students. My computer career is nationally accredited and financially it is available for those who qualify, including the GI Bill. Classes start soon, so go take the career evaluation now at mycomputercareer.edu. Mycomputercareer.edu. That's mycomputercareer.edu. Welcome back as we get ready to wrap up for another week of mainly modifieds. uh, A lot of substance in this show and a lot of style, I feel like, too. A lot of uh, character that we've talked about here with all of the action on the track at both of the modified shows and uh, as we were talking about with Tri-Track a series that has come a long way in a very short time with some great competition. And uh, I think that was on full display again at Monadnock. Kyle. And as we get ready to close the show here, we don't want to get out of here without talking about a couple of other race events that took place over the weekend in up in the new England area, the Pro All-Star Series, known as Pass, um, had an event, and uh, as did the uh, Garden State Pro Stock Series.
1: Yeah, good weekend of racing up at White Mountain uh, for race fans. Started Friday night with the Pro All-Star Series. Only 16 cars, uh, but but a decent showing, albeit uh, of race cars there at uh, White Mountain Friday night. Nick Sweet taking down the win. Uh, His second straight pass win, he had actually won uh, at oxford a week earlier and had also won at white mountain about three weeks earlier or four weeks earlier so obviously he's off to a good start in his pro stock in 2020 he's got a great car under him uh and, and is showing that on the flip side of that you've got the uh, grand State pro stock series running over at claremont on friday night good running for them as well 18 19 cars in attendance Ray right? christian wins uh, his third race win at Claremont in a row, dating back to last year. The last three times they've been there, it's been him uh, in victory lane. So a uh, good run for both of those pro stock divisions. There was a lot of other weekly racing at both of the tracks, Monadnock and White Mountain. Weekly racing up at Groveton, New Hampshire, at Riverside. Star Speedway had a weekly show as well. Uh, this coming Friday night, Seekonk Speedway scheduled to open their Fast Friday slate. No fans in the stands, but they are scheduled to open for the first time for competition in 2020. Hoping they can get to some, uh, you know, Saturday night competition at some point. A lot of good things, Tom, happening in New England as the race season finally gets up to speed. Uh, And looking forward to uh, next week, we'll talk about uh, maybe some things other than modifies. Because right now there's no modified races next weekend (laughs) Uh, on the schedule. Two in two days and then nothing for a couple weeks. So, Uh, Just the way it played out with the reschedulements post-COVID. And, uh, you know, we'll grab somebody next week to talk with us, run us through everything about what happened uh, over the week in motorsports, talk to a guest, and uh, look forward to seeing some more modified racing within the next so oh, at least the next month
0: yeah should be a lot of fun and uh again we always appreciate the support that we're getting uh from those of you who are listening and sharing and talking to us about how uh, much you enjoy the show we definitely appreciate all of that we have a lot of fun doing it each week and we're uh excited to continue obviously it's been a bit of a a different uh start to the season for us um we hope to have uh many modifieds <laughs> as in many modified events to talk about between the multiple series uh here i'm mainly modifieds, but uh, we're we're doing the best we can here with what we get to work with, and it's exciting to see that New England is finally opening up, and I'm sure all of the fans that are listening to us in New York State are probably um, throwing something at their computer monitors right now, going, uh, you know, okay, uh, we're jealous, but um, we we hope that uh, maybe something can happen next month in uh, New York State as well. But uh, for now... Uh, for kyle souza i'm tom baker thank you for tuning in to this week's mainly modifieds we really appreciate it and look forward to talking with you again in about a week's time until then have a safe racing weekend and so long
1: you've been listening to mainly modifieds the show where ground pounders and northeast speed freaks come to get their radio fix on The show is available on demand by searching
4: Race Chaser Radio on Apple Music, Spotify, Google Music, and most other major podcast platforms. Visit RaceChaserMedia.com for more unique motorsports stories and radio content. And follow Race Chaser Media on Facebook, Twitter, and
1: Instagram.